Welcome to Micro, a podcast for short but powerful writing. I'm your host, Drew Hawkins. This episode is another installment in our Editor Edition series, where each of the writers you'll hear are editors at their own publications, and they'll be reading their own work that was published in another publication. In this show, we have three pieces of microfiction that grapple with complicated emotions and one very strange house fixture. Up first is a piece that creates an entire relationship and its complications using description of a place, translation, and language. It's called That Was the Year We. It was written by Eric Scott Tryon and published by X-Ray Literary Magazine. Enjoy. That was the year we. That was the year we went to Columbia to visit her parents. Her mom had just had surgery on her hand and couldn't cook, so we spent a month eating empanadas from the little market on the corner, the one with the blind dog that always lay across the open door. Perfect golden brown crescents. We devoured them on the small white plastic table outside with a cold beer, or we ate them as we walked around the town square. She would tell me the history of the church or about the protests that happened there when she was a kid. That was also the year she got pregnant. We loved to think it happened on that trip. Maybe one of the nights we were away in Anapoima. One of the nights we walked to the tiny bar atop the hill. The bar that was just six poles, an aluminum roof, and a large ice cooler. Walls and windows and doors are not always necessary. Yes, maybe it happened one of the nights we got drunk there and chatted to the locals until the darkest hour of the night. She, already talking in cursive, would translate their stories back to me, and we all laughed as if speaking the same language. One of the nights we stumbled back to the tiny four-room hotel with paper-thin drapes that blew into the room like ghosts. But that was also the year she got unpregnant. That's what we decided to call it. She lay in bed for weeks, often FaceTiming her mom, longing to be back in a place where she had childhood stories, back in a place where the soil and the trees and the drunk locals with missing teeth all spoke her native tongue. I didn't always feel welcome during those calls, and that was fine. Some things shouldn't be translated. Instead, I spent those days on YouTube, in the kitchen, flour dotting my forehead, watching videos on how to make empanadas. Perfect golden brown crescents, the kind that crisp when you bite into them, a little bit of heaven wafting out with the steam. Eric Scott Tryon is the founding editor of Flash Frog. He lives with his wife and daughter in Pleasant Hill, California. You can find him on Twitter at Eric Scott Tryon or on his website at ericscotttryon.com. This next piece is a relatable mood 
with all of the fixtures of modern life, Postmates, social media, and Ted Bundy on Netflix. It's called Mood, Ted Bundy representing himself at his own trial. It was written by Mallory Smart and published by Rejection Letters on May 17th, 2021. Enjoy. Mood, Ted Bundy representing himself at his own trial. The day after her terrible hangover, she decided that she finally needed coffee. She woke up feeling slightly energetic, but knew that this was a fleeting feeling, so she immediately went to the Postmates app on her phone to order coffee. After looking for a minute or two, she realized she deleted it the week before in an effort to save money and possibly lose weight. Today was not the day to save money or lose weight, though. She downloaded it again, hoping that it still had her credit card information. She decided that she might as well order breakfast on the app as well to avoid the small bag fee. After ordering, she felt regret and happiness at the same time. Fuck, life is sad. She looked at the app and saw that it was already too late to cancel the order, so she leaned into it and held on to the positive feeling associated with the act. Now she wouldn't have to go grind the Stumptown coffee beans and put the grounds into the coffee machine and wait for them to brew. Now she could just hang out on the couch watching that Ted Bundy thing on Netflix and chill. She never wanted anyone to know she was this lazy and sad, so she strategically posted random social media pics with the illusion that she was actually out or she was home from an early day of work. It's funny how everyone probably does this. She took a picture of the coffee she got and wrote the caption, After Workout Reward. Lying fuck. She smiled knowing that people probably believed it and maybe even felt a little bit bad about their own laziness. Mission accomplished. She then watched two hours of Ted Bundy, and in two months, she'd actually have to go back to work at some point. Just not then. Mallory Smart is a Chicago-based writer and is the editor-in-chief of the publishing house Maudlin House. You can find her on Twitter at MalSmart, on Instagram at MalSmart, or on her website at MalloriSmart.com. In this final piece of microfiction, the power of repetition comes into play, with the title phrase building an emphasis until... You'll just have to listen to find out. It's called A Man in the House. It was written by David Byron Queen and published by New South on March 27, 2018. Enjoy. A Man in the House We needed to sell the house but there was a man in the house. He never bothered anyone, but he was there, a man, in the house, each day, each night, huddled over the orange bowl, eating oranges, peeling oranges. It's not like we could take him with us, either. The man in the house came with the house. The realtor had warned us about a man in the house, 
but we were so brash and stupid and young then, we bought the house even though there was a man in the house. Do other houses come with a man in the house? We'd asked. But the realtor had said no, or I guess what he'd really said was that he didn't think so. Not likely, yes, that was it. That was what he'd said regarding other houses having men in them, and the man in the house we were about to buy. I think our friends thought we were losing it. What do you mean there's a man in the house, they'd ask. I mean, there's a man in the house, I'd say. He sits there every day, every night, huddled over the orange bowl, eating oranges, peeling oranges. Well, do you talk to him, they'd ask. We try, I'd say, but the man in the house never responds. So we go about our days around him, beside him, our voices careful, our bodies tense and aware. It's a shame, really. We loved the house, even though there was a man in the house. We wanted to raise kids in the house, even though there was a man in the house. It's a shame we needed to sell it. It's a shame we lost our jobs and the company sold. It's a shame we've had to spend each day in such anxiety and uncertainty, looking for work in a house where there is a man in the house. One night, Jan finally lost it. She'd gone to the kitchen for a glass of water and forgot that there was a man in the house. It startled her half to death. I can't stand that there's a man in the house, she'd said to me, settling back into bed. I felt her warm, shaky body, the sour venom of her breath. Nobody else has a man in the house, so why do we have a man in the house? I don't know, I'd said, wishing there was something, anything. I could do about the man in the house. But what? I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night. Sometime around dawn, I went to the kitchen. Why are you here? I asked. Why don't you ever leave? The man in the house didn't respond. I asked him again, but he didn't respond. There was a towhee trilling on the deck outside the sliders and warm silver light filtering in through the blinds. I sat next to him at the counter for a while. Two men huddled over the orange bowl, eating oranges, peeling oranges. David Byron Queen lives in New York and runs the independent publishing company Word West Press. You can find him on social media at Byron underscore Queen or on his website at DavidByronQueen.com. Micro is edited and curated by Dylan Evers and produced and hosted by me, Drew Hawkins. Our theme song is by Matt Ortez. You can find all the information about this episode's editors, their publications, their featured work, and the publications where they were published in the show notes. You can also find a transcription of the show in the show notes, and if you need subtitles, check out the episode on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the show on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and check out some of our other episodes. And of course, you can always find our shows at micropodcast.org, and you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast Micro. Thanks for listening. <laughs>